So this morning is also special for another reason. Uh, we have a, a wonderful young lady who is going to preach the word of God this morning. And she does such a powerful job when she does it every single time. And I'm honored to be able to be her pastor and have the opportunity to be able to give this microphone over and know that you're getting a word from God when she speaks. And so that's, a, that's an invaluable thing. But before we do that, we also want to honor her because today is also her birthday. So she gets to preach on her birthday, and it's a very important birthday, because I'm going to welcome her to the club, and she's going to be mad at me for this, and that's okay, I can get over it. She, we're welcoming her to Club 40 today. She is 40 years old now, so would you help me honor and welcome Carol Post as she comes and she gets ready to preach. We just have a little bit of that we want to share with you, and obviously make it more difficult for you to do this. Um, So, happy birthday, Carol. Now have your way. Thank you. I'm going to give this to you to hold on to. Okay. And the half of you won't be able to see because that balloon will be floating up there. Whew. We covered a lot today, and we haven't even preached yet. So let's see what God's going to do. Uh, worship was awesome, and I just we're just going to jump into it today. This message, actually, that the Lord gave me was birthed about three weeks ago. Um, we went to visit our friends who live in Prague in Europe, and that uh, time zone is like seven hours ahead of ours. And so I don't know if any of you guys have ever traveled much, but it was my first experience with jet lag. And as tired as I was at 9 o'clock at night, at 1.30 in the morning, I woke up. And I'm like, okay, I'm awake. Now, John can sleep through anything. So John was fine. He's asleep. I'm like, okay, twiddling my thumbs. I checked Facebook. I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So I get up. I go downstairs, start walking around, and I find a book um, that was like a scriptural book, and then I found their Bible, and I just started praying and really seeking God. Um, and he started to kind of download this message into me. And I was just asking him about just understanding why people do what they do and, and the decisions that we make in our lives. And and why different people take different paths. I felt like the Lord was really revealing to me that, that it all comes from seeking something. And I feel like he revealed to me that as people, we tend to seek a couple different other individuals. Because usually seeking has to do with seeking someone, right? Like we all know someone that's always looking for something or someone to fulfill them. And if they don't have that, then they always feel like they're lacking. And so I felt like the Lord was telling me that either... We're the type of individual who is seeking someone to fulfill us. Like we want someone to make us feel important. I want somebody to remember it was my birthday. I want someone to remember that, you know, I was in the hospital last week or that I had that job interview. And so we're, some of us are always seeking that person to make us feel valuable. And then there's the other people who are kind of like the doers who are always seeking someone that they can pour into, that they're looking for a project of some, time, some kind. Um, and so they're wanting somebody that they can invest in or mentor or fix. And both of those things by themselves are not terribly bad. But I feel like what God is sharing with me and that he would have me impart to you today is that if we're not okay in this relationship, if we haven't sought God first, then those other horizontal relationships aren't going to be effective, right? So if I'm seeking someone to fulfill me and I need somebody to make me feel good and I need somebody to invest in me, that by itself isn't bad. We should all be seeking a mentor. But if I haven't first figured out that 
that I've sought God and I know who I am because who he says I am and because he created me, then eventually when this person that I've sought after to fulfill me leaves or lets me down or forgets my birthday, suddenly I'm kind of a wreck again. Or if I'm the type of person who seeks other people to pour into, what I'll find is if this relationship with God isn't right and he's not first pouring into me, then I'm suddenly going to be burnt out. I don't know if any of you guys would be consider yourselves givers, but you'll find out if you're a giver that there are a lot of takers out there. And there are people who, if you want to invest in them, they'll let you go the extra mile and then the extra 10 miles after that. And before you know it, you're just burnt out and you don't want to give to anybody anymore. So God was revealing to me or reminding me that everything we do as believers, everything as a follower of Christ first has to come from that phrase, seek God. You know, as a believer, we're told to trust God. As a believer, we're told to follow God and to believe in God. But I challenge you to imagine doing any of those things if you haven't first sought God. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is seeking God. And we're going to go ahead. I'm going to open up in prayer, and then we're just going to see what he says. I'm excited for today. I'm excited that I believe the Holy Spirit is here. Worship was just amazing and anointed. We're getting ready to transition um, to a different phase here at Relevant, Divergent City Church is transitioning. So we all need to be seeking God today. So God, I just thank you for the opportunity I have, Lord, as, as Pastor Mike was so sweet to share that I am 40 today. But God, I am claiming that 40 will be the beginning of something new for me. And I, I'm claiming, God, that today is something new for everybody in here. Help us, God, to realize it's not about what we can get out of it, Lord. It's not about seeking you for things or for answers. God, it's about seeking you just to know you. And that, Lord, when we do that, God, that everything else will be made right. Because you are already the answer. You are already the one who has given us everything we need. And it starts with seeking you. So I just thank you. Uh, be with me today, Lord. Let my words speak life into everybody here. And it's not up to me. The outcome is entirely up to you, God. And I rejoice in that. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I wanted to get out of the way first and foremost is that today we're not going to talk about seeking God for what we can get out of it, okay? So I am going to share the scripture, Matthew chapter 6, that we're all familiar with. This isn't in the slides, Chris, so don't worry. <laughs> it's not going to go up there. Um, but in, in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus said this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God already knows what you need, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so I wanted to establish that right off the bat because yes, if we seek God, there is automatically going to be a benefit. There just is because he He's a good father. We sing that song in the scriptures. He tells us, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about how you're going to pay your bills. Don't worry about all these things we worry about. Just seek God and all this is going to work out. He's going to make a way for all of that. But today's message is not about what you get out of seeking God. Today's message is about seeking God. And so we're going to open up in the text. It's in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7 through 14 is is where the majority of what we're going to talk about today is. And in this book, Jeremiah is speaking to the, the children of Israel. Actually, at that point, it was these were the people of Judah, okay? And what had happened was they had been disobedient to God. And so God had 
punish them by exiling them out of their homeland. And so they are seeking an answer. They're wanting to hear from God. They're wanting some good news, a good report. And so prophets had risen up. And at this point in scripture, Jeremiah is a prophet from God and he is sharing what God is telling them. And so we're going to pick up in verse seven. And he says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Did you catch that? Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And we all know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So the first thing I want us to know, and it's in your notes, is that we, let's just be real with ourselves for just a second and be honest, because as we're seeking God, we really have to understand how we tend to seek things out. And the first point is this. Most of us are great at finding what we're looking for. We are. Now, some of you guys might disagree with me if you have children or a spouse that can't see like past their nose to find anything. Like if, if you're like me, you're getting ready to walk out the door on a Sunday morning and suddenly Aiden realizes that, oh, I don't know where my shoes are. And they're like across the street at the neighbor's backyard. Okay. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about, um, when we hit a certain age and we can't find something. And I don't know if I'm the only one who's ever done this, but I've been on my phone and realized I can't find my phone. Has anybody ever lost their phone while they were talking on it? Like, oh, I'm getting ready to leave. And I can't. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about either. <laughs> what I'm talking about is this. We are really good at seeing what we're looking for. We are really good at seeing what we're looking for. In a relationship, when we want something, we're really good at seeing it. And if you don't believe me, ask, let me ask you this. Have you ever dated someone or befriended someone that everyone around you told you was bad news? But for some reason, you could only see the good. Like, oh, no, you know what? You find yourself making excuses. Like, they just, I just, he's never had anybody give him a chance. He's not a bad guy. Or he's not lazy. He just really loves being close to his mom. That's why he's 45 and lives at home and doesn't have a job. Or she's not a gold digger. She just has, the, you know, likes the finer things in life. Or, you know, she's not cheating on me. They're just friends. And then you look back after you've experienced some of those things, and you're like, why didn't I see that? Like, what was I thinking? And it's because in our flesh, we're really good at seeing only what we're looking for, which is great if we're seeking God out, right? Because God says that if you seek him, you will find him with your whole heart. But what about when we've already made up our mind that we want it to look a certain way? Unfortunately, we're really good at finding what we're looking for in that case too. So let's get back to the book of Jeremiah here. This is what had happened to the Israelites. They had been in exile as punishment from their disobedience from God. And a false prophet by the name of Hananiah had come before Jeremiah. And Hananiah had some really good news. 
Hananiah says, hey, I'm a prophet of God. And God says that in two years, you're going to be free. And these people have been in exile for a long time. So, of course, to them, this is really good news. And they wanted to believe it. There was only one problem. That wasn't what God had said. And so here comes Jeremiah. And first, Jeremiah calls out Hananiah. And Hananiah actually dies within the year that Jeremiah calls him out because he gave a false prophecy. But then he decides to go on because God has told him the true word of what the, the Israelites could expect. And it wasn't an easy word, but he shares it with them. And so he calls out the false prophet, and then he shares this true word from the Lord. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11. And we all know it. It's on bumper stickers. It's on our screensavers. It's in Hobby Lobby on every sign you can hang in your house. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's all good. But before he shares this uplifting word from the Lord, he gives them some directions. He says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So he's saying, pray for this city that you've been exiled into. And that wasn't what they wanted to hear at all. They wanted to hold on to the fact that they were going to go home. Can anybody relate to that? Have you ever prayed for something and then God's answer isn't what you wanted? They wanted to believe Hananiah. Hananiah said, two years, you're going to go home. Jeremiah is saying, that city that you're in, you need to pray for them. They wanted to be told that their suffering was going to end. Instead, God's plan was for them to stay right where they were and not just stay right where they were, but to help prosper the city <clears throat> that had enslaved them. Have any of you guys ever been in a really hard job before where you were being mistreated? <clears throat> or maybe I equate this to somebody in a really hard marriage and you really just want to be out of it. And along comes people who will tell you, because I promise, even as believers, there will be somebody who will tell you that you're right. You shouldn't be treated that way. You're right. You shouldn't stay at a job where your boss overlooks you for promotions. You shouldn't stay at a job where people maybe aren't very kind to you. You shouldn't stay in a relationship where you're not valued the way you should be valued, that you should be treated a certain way. That's what the Israelites were in. They were being told that, no, God wants you to stay where you are, and not just stay, but to give your best to it. And then in verse 10, God says that he would fulfill this after 70 years are completed in Babylon. And this meant that none of the current generation were ever going to get to return home. I mean, does the weight of that set on you guys? They're seeking God. They're seeking God, and God answers them and sends a prophet, and it's not all warm and fuzzy. It's not all good news. He says, you know what? Deliverance is coming, but none of you guys are going to get to experience what you think you're going to. None of you get to go home. Why is this important to know when we're seeking God? Because if we're only seeing what we want to see, then we are in danger of wasting precious time chasing lies. If we will only let God's plan look a certain way, then we're going to miss God in the opportunities that he's given us. If I'm spending all of my time trying to figure out a way to get out of my marriage, I'm going to miss those opportunities I have to be a testimony of God's love even when it's undeserved and God's grace even when it's undeserved. If I'm always looking for that job to get out of my hard job, then I'm never going to be a witness to clearly a dark job 
place that needs to see the Lord. If you're in a bad place, has it ever occurred to you that God's not necessarily trying to get you out of there, but God's actually the one who puts you there to shine the light? That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's necessary to understand, and this is your first blank, if we are truly going to seek God, we have to be willing to accept his plans, even if they aren't what we want in our flesh. That's the first thing. You can't seek God if you are saying, God, I'll seek you, but I already know the answer. Like, I've got kids that do that. Like, they, as soon as you start to give them advice, oh, no, I got it. I already know. If we're seeking God, we have to be open to whatever that answer looks like. The value, my next point is the value of what we find is directly related to the diligence with which we seek it. Now, I'm not saying that God isn't valuable, but what I am saying is the value of your relationship, the depth of your relationship with God, the intimacy with which you know God, the, the level of understanding of God's plan is directly related to the diligence that you are seeking God with. John and I were talking the other day about um, his job that he has right now, and we were in the process of leaving and stepping out from a place we had been for almost four years. And we were praying about it. And in one week, he got two interviews. And the interviews were at two different companies. And one was his field of expertise, everything he was good at, and he got to be involved in ministry. The other was his field of expertise. Nothing wrong with it. It was just a regular out in the you know, secular workforce job. And he applied for both of them. And in his heart of hearts, he really wanted the one that was ministry-based. So he goes for an interview on Monday, I think to both jobs. And um, the one place that was secular, they said, we'll let you know. You know, we'll, we'll probably reach out to you by the end of the week. And he's thinking he'll get a second interview someplace in there. And uh, in the meantime, he'll get a chance to see if this other place is going to work out. And the other place usually took like two to three weeks to hire. It was like four different levels of interviews. So everything seemed to be going well until Wednesday rolls around and he hasn't heard from the place he really wants to work about a third interview because he had already had two. And out of the blue, the other company calls and offers him the job at the pay that we had asked to have. And we were at a little bit of a, a fork in the road because we knew that it was time to leave where we were. We had an absolute guaranteed job right in front of us that was already, it would pay exactly what it, we needed it to pay. And we didn't even know if he was going to be offered the job at the place he really wanted to be let alone if he did get it, he didn't know if it was going to pay what we needed to, to be paid in order for our family to work. And so it would have been very easy for him to call the other place and say, I'm done. I can't interview anymore. I've accepted this job. And we didn't do that. And it was a hard couple of days. I was pretty stressed out. And so was he. Because the company wanted to know by Friday. And so worst case scenario, we're picturing, okay, Friday, they say, sorry, we've offered the job that was guaranteed to somebody else, and then the other place never hires him, and then we're stuck at a place that we really felt like it was time to leave. But God came through at like 1.30 in the afternoon on Friday. John texts me, and he's like, I got the offer. But how many of you guys know that if we had settled and if we hadn't earnestly sought what God had for us, it would have been easy to take that first thing and go, oh, this must be God's will. So that's why I want you to understand the value of what you find is directly related to the diligence with which you seek it. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 13 through 14, God says this. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. 
Do you guys know the difference between wholehearted and half-hearted? I mean, if I ask you to think of somebody you know who gives a half-hearted effort, it's not a, a great effort, is it? Like wholehearted means that everything you have, you are investing. You are committed. Whatever it is, everything you have. If you need an illustration, I picture me and Aiden going to the swimming pool. All right? We go to the pool. It can be like 70 degrees outside. The water can be 65 degrees, like frigid, and it doesn't matter. Aiden is going to go running off the diving board, jump in with everything he has, <laughs> just cover himself from head to toe with water, and come out of the water, and he might be shivering, and it might be cold, but he is committed, and he'll spend like three hours in the pool just swimming all over the place. Now, if you see me at the pool, it's going to look like this. Put my toe in a little bit. You know, let my, my foot get in a little bit. I hate being cold. I really do. And then once I convince myself to get into the water, I'm going to maybe come to about here, and I'll be on my tippy toes the whole time and shivering. And if anybody splashes around me, that's it. I'm done. I'm getting out. No, I told you I was only going to get in the water. If you didn't touch me, I'm not, and I'm out. That, that's half-hearted versus whole-hearted, right? So the value of what we find is directly related to are we wholeheartedly seeking after what we really say we want? We say, God, I want more of you. How are we seeking after it? In Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, Jesus shared these, these stories or illustrations. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. He hid it. He found the kingdom of God and he found it so important that he hid it until he could sell everything he had and then came back and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Often we want a wholehearted outcome from a half-hearted effort. And then we're surprised. Well, why isn't God doing anything? Why am I not growing? Why can't I hear God? God's promise of a prosperous life involves seeking him with our whole heart. That's where the value is. If you are, feel like you are having trouble seeking God, then let me ask you, how diligently are you seeking him? And then this next one is kind of hard, but it's a question that I think all of us have to ask ourselves. If it doesn't cost you anything, does it really mean anything to you? If it doesn't cost you anything, does it really mean anything to you? Don't we all value the things that cost something to us that we've had to invest in? 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 21 through 25. This, for some reason, is one of the most powerful portions of Scripture to me. And it's talking about King David when he was seeking for God to um, lift a plague from the land. And so he had cried out to God, and God was going to answer him. And so David wanted to acknowledge that, and so he wanted to go build an altar. And so he's seeking a threshing floor, a place to build an altar. And we pick up in verse 21, and there's a man named Arana who has a threshing floor. And Arana said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arana said to David, let my Lord, the king, take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering. Here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arana, gives all this to the king. Arana also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. I'm just going to stop right there for just a second. 
I think a lot of us as believers would look at that and say, well, that must be God. That must be God because God said that I needed to get this altar and this threshing floor and God made a way and he provided it and it, it isn't going to cost me anything. And let's be honest, as believers, sometimes we like that. We like if it's an easy way out. We like that God uses somebody else to answer the prayer. And so we will go, oh yeah, that must be God. You know, if it takes away pain from you, if it, if it helps you not be uncomfortable, that must be God. But David doesn't decide that that's God. David says something that's very different from what our answer today would be. It says in verse 24, but the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. That is a powerful statement. That's somebody saying, you know what? I'm going to give you everything you need in order to, I'll pay your whole tithe every month. You know what? You don't ever have to serve. I know that you love God, so you sleep in every Sunday morning, and I'm going to go do it. You don't ever have to spend time in prayer because God knows your heart, and he knows that you love him, and, and you, you are nice to people. You don't ever have to sacrifice. But that's not the case. Because if it doesn't cost us anything, then what does it ever really mean to us? David said, I will not sacrifice the Lord my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. David was faithful. David could have gotten off the hook without having to invest anything. But he said, no, God means too much to me for that. If I want to give my child a gift, if I wanted to give my husband a gift, I wouldn't let Pastor Mike pick it out and give it to me. It wouldn't mean the same. I'm sure that it would be nice, but it wouldn't mean the same because it cost me nothing. How many of us have ever really thought about what following God has cost us, what seeking God has cost us? You know, our best friends are missionaries to Prague, and that's where we were a couple of weeks ago. And Amy, um, when we were talking, she'll tell the story of when they knew God had called them to Prague. And they had known for their whole marriage that they were going to be missionaries, that God wanted them to be missionaries. And this was 10 years now that they'd been married, and they were at a church in Carthage. They were our pastors. And there had been a great service, and Amy was at the altar praying. And she says she remembers specifically that God said to her, you've gotten comfortable, and I never called you to be comfortable. Wow. And it, it made sense. They were pastoring a church that was like 80 to 100, which was a decent size in our little town. Things were going well there. The worship team was awesome. The unity and the leadership was awesome. People were getting saved. They had just bought a house. Their kids were engaged in school activities, had lots of friends. And it made perfect sense. Nobody would have blamed them for staying. They were doing God's work, right? You're pastoring a church. That's got to be what God wants. But God was stretching them. And he said, you're getting too comfortable. Remember that vision I gave you? Remember what I called you to do? It's time that, that your following of me cost you something. And it did cost them. It cost them a guaranteed income. It cost them their kids being comfortable in school. Their oldest son, when they went over to Prague, he had about a year or two years of debilitating anxiety. And as parents, we go, well, you should just quit. You should just come back because God would never ask you to do anything that was hard, right? I mean, you've got to take care of your kids. And even then, they came back for a few, I think like two months so they could get them some counseling, but they didn't stay. They said, no, God's call hasn't changed. It's not comfortable, but we're going back. 
And so at the end of all of that, it still took four years for them to see a church begin. So four years of planting, four years of learning the system and learning the language and learning all these things and going through this tough stuff. And the only reason that it worked is because they didn't give up on God. They didn't say, I'll only give God what doesn't cost me anything. But instead they said, I'm going to give him everything. Either God is everything to you or he's nothing to you. There's no in between. So that was a challenge to me. And I think it should be a challenge to all of us. What has following God cost you? And if it hasn't cost you anything, then does he really mean anything to you? And then the last, the last point today is this. As you seek God, you are going to have to let go of some things in order to take hold of what God is calling you to. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Paul is speaking to believers and he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I think it's really interesting that he doesn't just say, let's throw off the sin, right? We all can say, well, you know, they'd probably be closer to God, but they've got sin in their life. We all know we need to let go of sin. But Paul didn't say just let go of sin. He said, throw off everything that hinders you and sin. So I think it's fair then to deduce that sometimes the things that are going to hinder us aren't necessarily bad things. It's not necessarily sin. I picture it like this. How many of you guys are the ones who get groceries for your family? Anybody? Okay. So I'm the grocery getter at my family, and I'm also a very efficient person, so I like to do as much as I can in the least amount of time and get the best result. And so what happens then is I open my trunk to my, um, my van, and often I'll do it during the day and nobody's there because I'll run on my lunch or something. So it's just me, and I have a plan, and I go ahead and I grab like five bags of groceries with this arm and five bags of groceries with this arm, and then I pick up my laundry detergent, and I've got my milk because I don't want to make a bunch of trips, right? So I'm like, okay, I've got all my stuff, and I get to my door, and what happens? I've got my milk. I've got my detergent. Can I open my door? No. Is everybody paying attention at all today? <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to open the door when you had your arms full of stuff? What do you have to do? Somebody. You got to put something down, right? I can't open the door. So it seemed like a great idea. I picked up a whole bunch of stuff and it seemed like a great plan, but I've got to put something down if I'm going to be able to open the door. And so I would challenge you today that maybe in our lives, we've picked up a ministry here and we picked up some volunteering there and we picked up a little bit of debt here because, you know, I need that new car. And I picked up, you know, a lot of stuff that my kids are involved in. So I don't have as much time as I ought to have. And then I'm seeking God and I can't figure out why God's not opening any doors. Maybe God's saying, you got to put something down. You can't hang on to everything and have all that I have for you. Did you really need that debt? Do your kids really need to be involved in that? Do you really need to serve there, 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 and there? Even good things can hinder us because sometimes we're settling for the good and we're missing out on God's best. Sometimes it is a sin habit or a lifestyle that you know in your heart God is asking you to let go of, but you aren't willing to part with. Sometimes it's people, right? I was listening to a sermon by T.D. Jakes this morning, and he said, if someone wants to remove themselves from your life, let them go. Let them go. It's hard sometimes. 
But ultimately, if they're tied to your destiny, you're going to be knit together and you're going to walk it out. But if they want to go, don't waste time trying to keep them there. And it doesn't make them a bad person and it doesn't make you a bad person. Just sometimes there are people who are called into your life for permanent time. And sometimes there are people who are called into your life for a season. And that's okay. As long as you're not seeking them, you've got to seek God. If you trust him, you won't be shocked when people start to walk away. As we get ready to close, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What do, why did Christ Jesus take hold of you? Have you ever thought about it? It wasn't easy going to the cross. Why did he do it? Was it so you could open up a Bible and, and find the answer to every problem you'll ever, ever face? So you could have an easy life? So, you, so it would never be challenging? Christ Jesus took hold of you because the Father loves you. And he knew the only way for you to restore that connection back to God was if Christ Jesus sacrificed his life for you. And because of that, because Jesus took hold of us, then shouldn't we spend our life pursuing, taking hold of everything that God has and seeking him out, not just to benefit us, not just so we can have an easy life, not just so we can find our purpose. We all want to do great and amazing things, right? God, I want to do great and mighty things for you. What if great and mighty things means cleaning the toilet someplace and ministering to the people who walk in and out of the bathroom? Is that good enough? Are you hanging on to God? Great, mighty, has, it has to look like this or it's not you and I'm not going to seek you. We've got to change our perspective. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Press on. Push through. Seek God. As I said at the beginning, this was going to be a little heavier message. It, it wasn't about everything you're going to get from seeking God. But we've got to understand how to seek God. We have to understand what that looks like, or else we can't ever have access to those promises. So how do we seek God? We seek God by reading his word. And John, he said that um, the word became flesh and dwelt among men, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. You will find God in his word. You find God by spending time in prayer. And not just like the short prayer, not that those aren't important too. But, you know, the old timers have a phrase, praying through. And praying through means that I'm going to push through. I'm not going to quit praying just because my schedule says I have to pray for five minutes before I get in the shower and that's all I have. It's, it's not praying when it's convenient. It's praying until you feel God show up. And if you don't know how to do that, it's okay. Just set aside a place and some time and just be real with God. God, I've never done this before. I don't even know what praying through looks like. But I know that I want to know you better than I do right now. I know that I, I need you in my life. So God, I'm going to sit here and wait until I feel like it's okay to leave. Until I know that I've heard from you. Until I know that I've seen your face. We seek God by serving and I know that sounds silly. How does me talking to other people help me seek God? Jesus' love flows through us. And as you reach out to people who need the love of Christ, it is amazing how close you will feel toward God. You know, the Bible says that in doing things that some of us have entertained angels, that there are people you encounter that are really a reflection of Christ and you won't even know it on this side of heaven. So serve and you will be able to find God. 
And then the last thing is just spend time with other believers. You know, I know people have said, I, I can be a Christian from my house. I don't have to go to church. There's some truth to that. You can believe in God anywhere. You may never step foot in a church. But understand that as you seek God, you will find him among other believers. Sometimes you will find him as you are struggling and you come because you need something. And a lot of us think that, well, I don't go to church because I don't need people. Well, then what about other people needing you? Has anyone ever been blessed by something somebody said to them in church? I have. A hug. Somebody just noticing me. Maybe God doesn't want you to be at church because he's going to answer a prayer for you. But maybe you're somebody an answer to somebody else's prayer. That's how we seek God. Don't give up on seeking him. Let go of the temporary in order to gain the eternal. If you could come up, I'm just going to ask you a few questions before we close in prayer today. And like I said, I know it was a heavy message, and I know sometimes it's like Holy Spirit all over it, and everybody's like shouting, and it's exciting, and sometimes it's a little bit quieter. But I trust that God is God, and it's up to Him, and I believe this is stirring in your hearts. I know it's stirred in mine. So I want you to ask yourself a few questions, and be real with yourself. Don't look at your neighbor, but just be real with yourself. The first one is this. Have you convinced yourself that something is God's will? that may actually be your will because you're only willing to see what you want to see. Is there a job? Is there a relationship? Is there a calling? And you say, God, I know that I know that's your will because I already figured it out. Somebody told me, you know, five years ago, I was going to be this wonderful fill in the blank. And so that's your will. So anything else that comes along, you won't do it because it doesn't look the way that you thought it should look. If so, today, are you willing to allow God to open your eyes and see things for what they are, even if it's not what you think you want. Number two, if you had to gauge how diligent you've been seeking God, would you be more like the kid who jumps off the diving board and goes all in, even if it's cold water? Or would you be more like me, the 40-year-old lady who doesn't want to get cold? Is today the day that you jump in? And if it's not, then hopefully tomorrow will be. Because the amazing thing about God is even if we aren't seeking him, God never quits pursuing you. But I promise once you let him engulf you with everything, you will find out that all the things you were chasing paled in comparison to the life you can have in him. This one's a hard one. And it's not just about money. It's about everything. What has following God cost you? What does it cost you? If you were to think right now about your journey with the Lord, what have you ever given up? Have you given up a relationship? Have you given up the security of the known because God was calling you into the unknown? Would you be bold enough today to say like David said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. Isn't he worth more than that? What do you need to let go of? Who do you need to let go of in order to completely take hold of knowing God? And is he worth it to you? And then the last thing is, is we close in prayer is this. Have you ever sought God? Maybe you come to church every week because somebody invites you and you really could care less about this Christian stuff. And you think it's a bunch of make-believe stuff. And you think, I don't, I don't even care. I've never sought God. I'm not going to. Or maybe... 
you keep thinking, well, when I'm older, then I'll seek God. When I'm, you know, when I'm settled down with kids, then I'll seek God. In Isaiah 55, 6, we're told this, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call on him while he is near. Do you realize that there will come a day when you can no longer seek God? You don't have tomorrow guaranteed to you. And sometimes we forget that. So if you've never sought God, I encourage you today could be the day that you find him and begin the relationship with him.